This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, October 9th, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. The death penalty is an institution that ought to go, so says Mark Hyden, head of conservatives concerned about the death penalty. He spoke at the State Policy Network's annual meeting in Denver, Colorado. You bring a perspective, I think, that is uh, is sorely needed, uh, especially for your typical Republican conservative, which is, why do we have a death penalty? Why, why do we have that? So if, if you don't mind, what have you witnessed, uh, at least in the thinking of policy folks and maybe people on the street about how we think about this ultimately liberty-killing institution? Well, there's certainly many misconceptions about the death penalty out there, and I I run into it quite frequently, and I believe one of the most commonly held beliefs is the death penalty deters murder. And it's really hard to make that argument. I mean, right now, for every 100 murders, one of those will result in a death sentence, and even fewer of those will actually be executed, and then they'll be executed perhaps decades later. And I don't think that goes through anybody's mind before they commit a horrendous act. And then you can look at studies that have shown that there's no credible evidence suggesting that the death penalty actually deters. And I can tell you from my own experience, because I used to support the death penalty, and I am a conservative, I worked with the National Rifle Association before this, I, I had finally realized that the death penalty is not pro-life when it risks killing innocent life. And due to the, the fallibility of humans in government, that risk exists. And I accepted that. And I also accepted that the death penalty costs more than life without parole, many times more expensive. So it wasn't fiscally responsible. And I also knew that when you look at what conservatives and libertarians really believe in, limited government. The death penalty is certainly not limited government. I don't think there's a bigger government program than one that can kill you. But I still wanted to support the death penalty, so I had told myself, perhaps if the death penalty deters more murders than it, uh, than innocent people are executed by the state, then perhaps I can say it is pro-life and it serves a greater purpose. And that is a utilitarian argument that does not belong in conservatism, and it certainly doesn't belong in libertarianism. So that was the last thing that I held on to. And then I saw these studies saying that, you know, the likelihood of the death penalty deterring murder, uh, it's not there. So I had nothing left to grasp into, and it was at that moment that I, I kind of had an epiphany that it was the death penalty, or I realized the death penalty was completely inconsistent with traditional conservatism. And the more you look into uh, the nitty gritty of how our criminal justice system actually functions, the more horror stories you can dig up of prosecutorial misconduct, of uh, problems with juries, jury instructions that, you know, it seems only until recently Uh, these problems weren't really talked about all that much. Well, there's no shortage of problems with the criminal justice system, and that's not just talking about the death penalty outside of that as well. But you can look just two weeks ago, Henry, uh, or uh, uh, Mr. McCollum in North Carolina was released from death row. He spent 31 years on death, death row fighting for his freedom. And what happened in his case, they found that he was, he was likely mentally handicapped. And they held him in an interrogation room, yelled at him, told him they, he needs to admit that he committed this horrendous act and that things would be all right after he admitted it. So he did admit it. 
And it turned out that they put him on death row because of that. And it took 31 years for DNA evidence to be introduced to show that he did not commit that murder. And that's representative of the death penalty process that we have today. It takes forever. It really does. I mean, it's a decades-long process. But a lot of conservatives, or well, I won't say a lot, but I've seen several conservatives wanting to shorten that appeals process. And that, that, that talks to the other problems with the criminal justice system. And you can look in Florida, they passed the Timely Justice Act to shorten the appeals process, make it cheaper, and uh, try to serve quicker justice. So they're wanting to shorten the appeals process that saves people's lives like uh, we saw in North Carolina. It took 31 years to, for him to prove his innocence, but yet they want to make sure that we're killing people quicker. I mean, it seems like that's going precisely the wrong direction. That is, if you want justice to be served, you want people to be able to exhaust their appeals and to say, well, if the problem is the death penalty is too expensive, let's make it cheaper by eliminating the ability for people to appeal for the rest of their lives. And I, I'd like to state that um, the, the appeals process has actually been scapegoated. The most expensive part of the death penalty is actually in the initial trial. Um, it's, it's, some studies have shown that it's, I believe, 10 times more expensive than comparable trials. It's much longer, there's more witnesses, there's more motions, there's more experts, uh, and it can cost several million dollars. That's the largest portion of the cost, but I haven't seen any legislators trying to address the cost of the initial trial. Instead, they're talking about the appeals process, and this is an appeals process that had saved many people's lives. We've seen since the 70s, more than 145 people have been released from death row because they later found that they are wrongly convicted. So this is a process that saves many lives, but it shows that how mistake-prone the government, how mistake-prone the criminal justice system is. And I think when you're dealing with life, life is the most important thing that we have. We shouldn't be entrusting that to a government that we don't trust to deliver the mail, say. I don't know how much uh, appeal this argument has to a lot of typical sort of law and order Republican types. I, I think the, the fiscal appeal is a strong one, but uh, I just think there is in many cases just a presumption that the people who end up on trial where the death penalty is an option are just guilty. There is an assumption, and I was on a speaking tour in Florida going to different tea parties and conservative groups, and I talked about many people in Florida and nationally who were likely innocent, who were released because they were wrongly convicted. And I, had, I saw one person stand up and say, yeah, but they probably did something else wrong. That's not how the criminal justice system is supposed to work. And that's something we need to look at. We're trying to change the narrative about the death penalty. And whether you're a Christian, whether you're a conservative, um, or, or you're a, a different sect of Christianity, evangelical or Catholic, there are many reasons to oppose the death penalty. And one of the issues that, that I don't see many conservatives talking about enough is the problems that it inflicts on murder victims' family members. The death penalty, I've often been told, is there to serve justice, serve justice that the murder victim's family members deserve. But what it does, it promises them a death sentence. And because this, the way the system is structured, that promise, it's not always kept. And it re-traumatizes them through a decades-long process of trials, appeals, and media attention. And in the end, if they do execute the offender, it's the offender that becomes a household name, and the victim more than likely is going to be forgotten. And I, I, I think there's something wrong with our criminal justice system when it's, when it's working like that. 
Mark Hyden is head of conservatives concerned about the death penalty. Read more about our broken criminal justice system at our website, cato.org.